Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Saladcast for the season. Um, Glenn, we're back again, but this time we're doing it on a Monday because obviously the game was on the Sunday. And good that you got to go to this one because I think uh, my view of the TV <laughs> with your view of being at the game is probably the perfect way to summarise this game. Yeah, because obviously it was quite a kind of unique experience in some respects considering when he's didn't even sell the 280 tickets in the end, did we, Ollie? So it was one of those kind of moments and, and sort of lowest attended Shrewsbury Town games I've been to during my time, really. Obviously, I've often talked about the 47 I was in away at Lincoln in an LDV Cup a long time ago, but this was this was down there, to be honest with you, in terms of low attendances, but not because we didn't take many, just because it was a small FA Cup game on a Sunday. So, yeah, and then majority of fans will have watched it like you did, watching the TV coverage, and it, I'm just as interested to sort of see how we came across on TV as you probably are about some of the shenanigans that went on on the terrace on Sunday. So, um, yeah, it'd be good to attack it from both angles Ollie I think yeah no definitely so yeah let's just jump straight into the action for this one and then yeah let's get into it well what a revelation Shrewsbury have been full of ideas full of confidence and a lot of football Maguire's caught a champion it's there so yeah my Sunday afternoon Ollie was Stratford Town 1 Shrewsbury Town, five. Um, yeah, we'll get to how many times that's happened in a second. But yes, um, Stratford Town, for anyone who doesn't know, um, they are a seventh tier team. So I was thinking back to some of those FA Cup losses we talked about on the last pod, Ollie. But they were actually lower than, say, a Blythe were even. So definitely a, a little a little uh, level below some of the teams we have come unstuck against over the sort of last 25 years in, in terms of non-league teams. Um, and yes, uh, since the Staines loss that I just mentioned there, in terms of what our record's like, Ollie, we, we have been much better in, in games against non-league. So we talk about that very short period, Ollie, when we, when we talk about the sort of dark dark FA Cup times where we lost to Staines and just before that, Histon and Blythe in quite a short time period. But since we did loss, lose to Staines, um, uh, we have basically won six, seven now, including the game on Sunday. Only one loss in that time, which was Hereford, which was a tricky kind of local game, wasn't it, at the time in the FA Cup, and, and two draws. So definitely our record against the non-league teams has improved from that tricky kind of mid-2000s period, Holly. Yeah, I wanted you to do this and look at this thing because I had a feeling that our record was a bit better. Yep. Oh, you've got to throw in also for me as well, add in the, the Cambridge victory. Didn't we beat Bradford a couple of years ago in the in the early rounds of the yep. FA Cup? Yep. And we've been done quite well. And, and they mentioned it in commentary as well that you know, we've been beaten by um, higher division teams in recent years. Um, so, yeah, we've got a, a, it's quite good at the moment. We ask, of course, it's going to come tumbling down one day. We're going to have another Blythe Spartans <laughs> yeah. or a, a Staines um, to talk about again. It's always this time of the year as well, isn't it, when we play um, a non-league time or a smaller side and the manager sometimes under, under trouble is, is a yeah. groundhog day of this club. So it's always, I think that's why town fans think as well, you know, it's often a, the FA Cup equals change of manager sometimes. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, about three minutes into this game, one, one, five <laughs> minutes once they went ahead, I was wondering about uh, Steve Cottrell's long-term prospects. But yeah, there have been all sorts of games that have triggered changes, haven't they, because of FA Cup results, but wasn't to be that way um, this time. And um, yeah, hopefully our, our, our troubles with non-league teams are behind us for a, a bit longer yet. Hopefully we could well draw one in round two, Ollie, which we'll, we'll get to in a bit. And um, yeah, that would be a nice way to get into round three again. And, and the overall record, I say, in terms of getting to advanced rounds in that last five, six year period is definitely much better. We've, we've been progressing to further rounds than we did. Um, I think I mentioned it maybe last year when we were talking about it. I think we went seven years getting knocked out in the first round at one point in, sort yeah. of, again, the early 2000s. So, um, yeah, and we always we used definitely... to play Warsaw all the time as well. 
Yeah, I think they knocked us out at least twice, didn't they, at that round? So um, there we go. Progress is is for sure. And also, you know, we often look at how many goals we've conceded and the record-breaking runs and how long it's been since this. But, you know, it's been a long time since we scored five goals away from home, Ollie, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. So I'm sure you remember this game. But, um, yeah, the last time we scored five goals away from home was 2010-11. So basically 10 years ago when we went to Northampton under GT um, and it was that Met crazy 7-2 game. So, yeah, it, the nice thing on Saturday for my kids to see a kind of comprehensive away victory because I don't think they've seen any in their area yet so far. It was a game we covered I'm sure wasn't it and during Covid yeah. as well uh, yeah. so yeah it was a, that was a great game that I remember that one fondly it was a good away day so yeah nice to see the team score a few goals hopefully good for confidence um, poor Doe didn't get a goal again bless him uh, he I did work really good and he was yeah, Jermaine Beckford was, was very complimentary about um, Doe throughout the game though it was quite funny people kept he kept calling him a Doe with an A oh, on right. the end, and he said a beta, not a better. So, yeah, it was a bit <laughs> weird as well. So, yeah, that was something that caught um, people's um, eye when they were watching the game on ITV. Um, but, yeah, interesting. Um, obviously, even just the start of the game was interesting. So it'd be interesting to get your perspective on the start because I think you thought you didn't know what was going on and, and we kind of had a bit more of a better clue <laughs> yeah. at the game. But then there's things that you will know what was going on and we won't know what was going on. Um, because there was quite a few stoppages in the game. But first, the team. So Harry Burgoyne was in goal. At first, I thought that was just purely because we were a bit of rotation and give him a chance, mm-hmm. but unfortunately it wasn't. Morosi and Pennington both have come down positive with COVID, so we wish them well and wish them for a speedy recovery, and hopefully they have yep. no long-term impacts. Obviously, you know that, Glenn, very well. You know, mm-hmm. he can really yep. knock you for six. Um so we had a bit of change at the back. So Pierre played in the middle, Ebanks on the right, um, Nurse played again on the left. That meant that Leahy played in midfield or better on the left as well. Um, and then on the other side, we had Davis and Bennett and Bennett on right wing back. And then, well, I thought we were playing kind of a flat three up front. And the manager did say about Ado playing the 10, but I didn't quite see that really um, in, in general play. Uh, we'll come on to why maybe I didn't see that in general play. But yeah, Bone was up front and Pike and Ado was supporting. Um, and Wally was out. Um, well, we didn't know at the time, but we found out later on um, that he had a calf issue. So fingers crossed with this gap we have now, he'll be back. And I yeah. thought it was also really important to see, Glenn, that Vela was back on the bench. Um, so yeah. that was good to see that he's getting back um, to first team fitness as well. Yeah, it was fascinating, really. Uh, we'll come to the pre-match because I was there an hour and a half before kickoff, so we were kind of in the ground for the, for the team news. And yeah, not too surprised with Burgoyne. I, I say I agree with you. I thought it was rotation at first until we found out about the COVID. Only sort of not too long before kickoff, really, because again, it wasn't really filtering through that news for the the players that were out. I thought Pierre Ebanks Nurse when we saw the team lineup, I thought they'd line up but slightly different. I didn't think Pierre would be in the middle, but um, that proved not to be great as the first half went on. And they did switch it round. And again, you know, there was going to be a few few changes in the team, wasn't there? Naturally, um, and yeah. Yeah, Pike getting a go. I suppose this is the opportunity for him to at least show something against an Oleg team. We are almost certainly going to discuss how well <laughs> that experiment went, but um, you know he was given another chance. Um, kind of blew it as far as I'm concerned. And um, yeah, you know we we were taking this game seriously. I thought Ollie, it was a, it was still a strong team, wasn't it? It wasn't something where we'd rolled out all the youth lads from the start and it was Caton blocks and Pike up front for something, for example. So I, I do appreciate the fact that Steve went pretty strong and didn't want to embarrass us, basically. Well, in some ways, it's needs must. We didn't have us. Yep. It's not like we're a Champions League team, or or maybe me in the future, Glenn, on Football Manager, and it's twenty twenty eight, and we have a, a full first team eleven on the bench ready to go <laughs> um, when we're playing the Champions League. But yeah, you're completely right. We didn't. We played our first team. I thought the pre match was good from Steve Cottrell. While we will lament certain issues um, with the manager and the team, I going into the game was confident that we had the right mentality and the right character in this team. It's not like previous sides, I don't know, when we lost 7-1 to Chesterfield, 
Mm. It wasn't a surprise, was it? You think of the characters and the, the players and Gerard and some other players we had in the team. It seemed like quite a weak bunch mentally, I thought. But this bunch, with why we might be short on players, the quality players, but also the mentality is always really good. We haven't seen them, you know, down tools or anything like that. We haven't seen that from this team. So I thought if we were going to lose, it was going to be through a good performance from an opposition side. It wasn't going to be for lack of tension or lack of professionalism from this team and this management and staff. No, no, the second half showed that. But I think particularly, obviously, we weren't going to score four goals. But you look at the likes of Bennett, Leahy, even Ebank's second half, and Bowman, you know, experienced League One players who didn't take their foot off the gas and kept going through the gears as the game went on and, and kind of showed that professionalism and that sort of... Um, they did show the quality as well. But, you know, I definitely agree about, you know, we weren't we weren't going to take our foot off the gas. I think even when we went 2-1 up, they, they kept pushing. I think that kind of covers the, the issue you'd said, really. And I suppose, you know, that was team. You know, we, we were ready for it. You know, you looked at the lads coming out to warm up on their team. There was a couple of lads who looked like they'd have their Sunday dinner um, and the keeper was a bit of a big lad. But... Um, you know, these were not professional footballers we were playing against. And that was one of the most interesting things to explain to the kids. Um, I, I took my two, two kids to the game, I should say, and um, I've done an interview with them, which we'll play after we've done our review, Ollie, to kind of get their thoughts on it, because um, it's a sort of first experience for them of a non-league team and playing non-professionals. But it was really hard to explain to them that we were playing people that weren't getting paid a lot of money to play football, and this wasn't, you know, their main job per se. It was quite quite interesting to see what they had to say about it, and we'll come to that. But before I get on to what the pre-match was like being there, because to be honest with you, there was a lot of stories pre-match, maybe fans aren't aware of what happened before the game started and um, I'll come to that but I just want to ask you about the TV coverage because obviously you flicked it on when it started at whatever it was half past two so Jermaine Beckwood was on the commentary who who was kind of doing the sort of who was covering it in sort of the, the pundit role at the, or the sort of table that was by the side of the pitch I didn't know yeah so the pundit was um, a female presenter I don't know her name unfortunately oh, okay. um, and then it was Lee Hendry's former Villa player ah, right. um, and then also um, Earnshaw um, former Wales striker who's yeah. got a weird Welsh Canadian American type accent because he spent a lot of time <laughs> over there. Um, so Becky was like, "Where's he from? He's got a Welsh, but like this other accent." So good spot as badge for Becky picking up his 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 um uh, his accent. Um, but yeah, they they were talking about it, and as you can probably expect, it was all it was all the whole kind of narrative of the game of the pre match was about potential cup upset, almost mm. wanting a cup upset, and even the pre match um, interview with Steve Cottrell was nothing about football. They're just asking him about COVID. Yeah, um, right. So it was quite a. I wouldn't say there's anything wrong with it. It wasn't as bad as. I remember you went to Salford away in yep. the cup, and I watched it online on on TV, and I was fuming um, because they were <laughs> one of the commentators, one of the co-coms actually called us Macclesfield in the yep. pre-match. Um, but it was it wasn't too bad to be honest. But um, yeah, some of um, Jermaine Beckford's commentary was good, and then some of it was really bad. Um, but bless him, he's, he's obviously learning his trade. But I thought yeah, it was yeah. okay. I've seen Beckford on Sky Sports News. He sits in the st- uh, studio and kind of goes over the Premier League football on a Monday afternoon. I think I've seen it, and he, he's he's quite good. I don't mind Beckford, to be fair. So yeah, obviously we didn't see any of that. They were down the other end of the pitch from us, so we didn't kind of get to see who was doing the TV coverage. But I was interested in what the tone of it was, to be fair. And I can imagine what it was like as the game went on. Professional Shrewsbury Town did the job, that sort of thing. That's yeah. kind of the the usual FA Cup narrative, isn't it? But um, but that's fine. But no, it was quite the experience going to Stratford, Ollie. Um, I'm probably going to end up talking for quite a bit now because <laughs> uh, I you can interject with some of the things you sort of seen online but obviously we'd sold the whatever it was 280 tickets you know 20 20 short of that but we'd sold quite a lot and obviously a few town fans had gone to get in the home end um, i know a few that did that um, it was 20 short at three o'clock in the afternoon so yes. maybe we sold out but it, yeah. we were definitely it was a chance that we didn't yeah uh, either way when we got in there i i got there an hour and a half before kickoff because i was concerned about my kids they're only little like and it, i knew that if we weren't at the front they probably weren't going to see much regardless of whether we got a big area or not 
Um, so roll, roll down to Stratford. There was tons of parking around the ground. That was a massive red herring. You could have you could have parked in loads of states around the ground. Obviously, they were just trying to keep their their neighbour suite. But um, we found a parking space maybe a ten minute walk away. Walked up there. There's quite a few town fans milling around outside. Not gone in yet. Um, and we went in there as say an hour and a half before kickoff to try and get a spot. And already all of the wall that was our area was maybe too deep already. Kids could not have seen anything during the whole game. So. Obviously, looked around. There was a few town fans people recognised, kind of um, going to all the away games, talking to the stewards, and I sort of sort of got this vibe now that there was quite a lot of anger, to be honest with you, that, that we were getting shoved into this massively tiny area where no one could see anything. And just to tell everyone that was wasn't there at the time is when we first came in, we only had a very small area along the side of the pitch. We had none of the area behind the goal, which you'll have later seen on the coverage. Um, and essentially, yeah. It would have been way too small. I mean, it was still too small when we got the extra area, but there were some negotiations with these Walsall stewards that were doing the stewarding for Stratford because obviously they, they don't have enough stewards normally, I don't think. Um, and yeah, they did make a good decision, whether it came from the club or the stewards or a bit of both, really. I think it was credit to Stratford upon recognising they'd made a bit of an error um, and opening up half of the almost half of the behind the goal area for us. They just moved a Harris fence up. They moved another Harris fence out of the way. Um, and then everybody kind of filtered in there. So we at least got a little bit of a, an area to stand at the front behind the goal, which is never ideal for watching football, Ollie, is it? I've talked about it before. But I think, you know, it just brings it to the wider point. There's a few other things to talk about yet yeah, about how maybe some of the ways that Stratford looked to make a little bit extra money out of this game in terms of squeezing as many town fans in there as possible was maybe a little bit naive um, because, as I say, they've got no grade in their stands at all um, where we were and it was just flat, so you, you couldn't see anything. So at least they made a sensible decision on the day, I reckon, Ollie. I'd have no chance. No. I'll be with your kids. You'd have to tell us what we've got was going on if we if they hadn't done that move. And I saw you were frustrated. I saw quite a few other fans as well. I, was, I went um, to with, with Becky, went for a walk on like a mm. common nature area near when Wolverhampton Airport was a really nice kind of nature area. And I was I'm just keeping an eye on my phone and I saw people tweeting and commenting about how they couldn't get the fan zone over. Um, and that was frustrating town fans because they couldn't get in. So it, yeah. it's really strange because imagine also, Glenn, Stratford is obviously famous for being a very arty, nice town. I've been Gosh. there a lot as a kid. Um, you know, I always think of the river area and all that kind of you know nice. tourist area. I don't think of it as a football town. I didn't even know they had a football team at all, to be honest. No, no. I don't think that... I had a message on Twitter today from one of their fans apologising for some of the trouble we had, which was a bit interesting. And he was like, we're really sorry for you know some of the things that happened as a, as a fan. You know, We're not a football town, so we hope you appreciate that this was this was something quite difficult for us. But he was also kind of apologising for what we'll come to later, which was a fan spitting at Ryan Bowman, which was absolutely disgraceful. So, yeah, I think you know, I think an hour before kick-off, we finally got that extra area open. People filtered in, but it still didn't feel like enough. Um, and anyone coming in you know, at 45 minutes before kick-off still didn't really have much of a chance. A bunch of the, the young ultra lads from the safe standing area came in a lot of them climbed up on a back wall um i'm not sure if that made it on the tv coverage but they sat up there the whole game it. looked incredibly uncomfortable to be fair to them um one lad <laughs> had a few tr- troubles and had to exit the stadium and come back and um yeah and it was funny because the police guy tried to come and move them on at, at first um saying look you can't sit up there the whole game it's dangerous da, 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 da. and this one lad just went it's an extinction rebellion uh, protest. We're not moving. And to be fair, the police laughed and they just walked off and left them. So there you go. I think that's your. If you ever want to get moved on by the police, it looks like that's a good way to avoid doing it. But um, yeah. So it was a bit sad though because it, 
these lads didn't have it didn't have the most comfortable viewing experience and they paid the same money the rest of us did um and it and it was worse than that because there were, you know there's a dad a dad with his kid who must have come in late and he was just kind of half climbed up a metal fence to try and get a view his poor lad must have been in a stress position the whole game and then i know some fans a guy called anthony dunn who did some refereeing for the away sporters he'd been in town came down to the game i think he must have got in like 25 minutes before kickoff and there was a bunch of them and they were like we can't see there's there's no way we're going to be able to see we're not going to climb up a wall um so they got back in a taxi and they went back into Stratford to watch the game and so yeah things like things like that weren't too good and and the other thing that had sort of spoiled a, a little bit with some of the town fans was there was an advertised fan zone which people had gone down early to go to only to turn up to be told it was home fans only and, and sent down to a pub 20 20 minute walk away so yeah didn't didn't feel the most welcoming at first to be honest with you Ollie um but once we got into it and everyone's everyone kind of got a spot and could see something there was a there was definitely a um a sort of match day vibe that was like the conference season, Ollie. Um, I can't remember whether you said you were knocking around at that point in time, but you know the away games in the conference season. It was almost like a in the trenches, we're all in this together, and and it was really good atmosphere actually on the terraces on Saturday. There was a lot of uh, funny jokes and a bit of banter and stuff, you know, like you usually get. But um, I don't know, just just the whole experience made it a little bit more, um, yeah, a little bit more. We're all in this together kind of vibe, which was nice. Yeah, I went to a few. I didn't go. For, it was like university at the time. So I remember going to mm. the Burton away game, as I mentioned before. Been to went to the Morecambe games because like Lancaster Uni. So yeah, I went to a few. But yeah, I, the definitely I can understand that away vibes, and I imagine the the South Sand flags and stuff would probably enjoyed the conference vibe. But yes, yeah, if you can't watch the game and stuff, it is really frustrating. I didn't like going to AFC Wimbledon away when they were at that ground because that was really flat as well. Yep. Um, when you are not six foot, it um, it does make it a bit of a shit experience. But yeah, it's mm. it's one of those things, isn't it? It's kind of like the charm of it. But then if you can't watch the game properly, it is a bit annoying. It is a little bit frustrating because it kind of just tarnishes the day a little bit. When you paid your money, you want to be able to see a game of football. I think that is my minimum expectation of any match I go to. Unless someone sells me a ticket that says restricted viewing, then fair enough, I'll I'd take that on the chin. But these weren't restricted viewing tickets; they were all the same price for everybody, so that was fine. There were some nice quirks about being in the ground, Ollie. It was pretty scenic on the edge of town. It was a nice sunset during the game, and it was like quite quite nice kind of, of atmosphere. And the the funniest thing I think about being there on the day was um, their PA announcer, Ollie, was was a bit of a character. It sounded like Ryan Jarvis on acid, to be honest with you. He had the same posh. <laughs> Same posh voice, uh, same kind of patter, but he was giving all the players nicknames. It was like... I saw you put um, that. There's a few embarrassing things, actually, that came <laughs> across. So on TV, there was the um, the Shakespeare speech, yep. which was a bit odd. And then there was... What else was there, England? What else was the The nicknames is a bit strange. The nicknames was funny. He was, he was bringing them all out and he was going, da-da-da-da, something Jones, the leader of men. And then he was like, da-da-da, something, the man of style. And there was like all these like, all these nicknames. It reminded me a bit of um, when we went to York City away, uh, God, in like in maybe the relegation season to the conference. And we went away there to Bootham Crescent when they were under some, I think they were under some crazy American owners at the time. And they'd done like a four-page program and the pre-match music was hyperbolic. And they were like, and the, the PA man said, welcome to the total annihilation of Shrewsbury Town. It felt, it felt a little bit like, that day to be honest with you but um you could hear him as we were walking to the car you know about 10 minutes outside from the stadium he was so loud um so yeah that was quite quite funny and at least he kind of um kept their crowd going and at the end it was sort of um yeah trying to trying to bow them up so you done well lads so fair enough it was it was a big game for them wasn't it to be fair so yeah that that was quite interesting and as i say the, the ground was was pretty scenic as well and um so there were some some nice bits about being there but um yeah, there was a, there was a few few struggles. Uh, there was another thing as they came out. They brought all their kids out with them, didn't yeah, they? Was they that did. on the telly? Yeah, that was they did. Yeah, it was a bit strange. <laughs> it was that, and then the, the speech, um, and then I said, "This is a bit embarrassing." There was quite a few people agreeing. It was quite nice actually with people being at home. Actually, there was quite a good online vibe, and um, which obviously mm. you remember from 
and the COVID days. So it was quite a good yes. online chat and stuff. That was quite fun again. There's a lot cool. of comments to most of my tweets, which is always the signs a lot of fans online. Yeah, so everybody was, was up for it. I say the South Stand guys got a drum. They had a good, a good atmosphere going in our end. Couldn't Actually, everyone was kind of, you couldn't hear yeah. stuff at all because I imagine it was just blowing over the top. You could hear town fans a few times, but um, yeah, it just didn't come across, unfortunately. No. The mics, you could hear kids screaming more than True to Town fans chanting. <laughs> There was a lot of banging of the sort of uh, wooden yeah, um, advertising hoardings in front of yeah. us. That was very enjoyable for my son. Um, but yeah, we were all ready for it. And then in the stadium, Ollie, we were waiting for the kickoff. Took a while, took even longer. Referees walking around the pitch. Can't really see where he is. Because just to say, first off, we were looking directly towards the sun, just going down. So it was quite hard to see what was going on down the other end. Um, but the ref had come along and he walked over to the benches and he was sort of talking to the players. And we were like, are we really waiting for ITV to tell this referee that he can start the match? But... Little did we know, it was actually something else, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a net issue. God. So on their biggest day in their history, bless the groundsman, he must have felt sick. Um, now, you could, now, the fans could touch the net. Yes. So there is a chance that maybe someone pulled it, but even so, you shouldn't be able to pull a net stretching over a, a, um, an advertising board to pull the no. net out. So there was a big gap. Yes, good job. Imagine the linesmen have probably checked the net a thousand times and never found yep. an issue. But on yeah, big FA Cup day, he finds it. And then, yeah, it was a bit embarrassing. Um, it was embarrassing all around for the first 10 minutes for, in terms of all the weird quirks <laughs> that was going on. And then, yeah, yeah finally, the game did kick off at, what, 10 minutes past, 11 minutes past three. Yeah, a good job they ran the park and ride buses later than they had to because this game dragged on quite a while. The referee might have got a bit distracted when he was checking the nets, Ollie, because he came round with the linesman to do a little warm up by the town fans. And one of these linesmen had like all white hair and he looked a lot like Mick McCarthy. And they just kept chanting, Oh, Mick McCarthy at him. And like, the referee was pissing himself laughing, to be honest with you. <laughs> it, was quite, it was quite funny. So maybe he got distracted by the town fans chanting. But yes, we did eventually get a game going on. Kicked off, you know, both sets of fans were up for it. And uh, yeah, didn't didn't go <laughs> didn't go too well at start, did it, Ollie? Jesus. No, it didn't go very well at all. <laughs> so yeah, the lunch launched the ball forward. I mean, it's clear there's gonna be a battle with Gordon. I think was the name of their striker, and Pierre. Mm. Pierre gets wrong side, and he um, pulls him down. It was a clear foul. Um, yep. And then Glyn, you had a, a great view for this right in front of you. What happened? Well, yeah, I've got some audio. I shall play of my actual on the match uh, experience in a minute, Ollie, because as you can imagine, I was quite, I was fuming. Um, but yes, the uh, yeah, the guy just lined his free kick up right in front of us. I think we're actually on the coverage. Me and me and the kids when he lines the free yeah, kick up. Yeah, I remember um, seeing your daughter on, yeah. on coverage. And he plays out to the edge of the box, um, where one guy takes a touch. The guy that took the free kick in steps onside, but completely unmarked, knocks it back to him as he, as he sort of runs into the box, and then it's a really good finish, low down into the bottom left of the corner. A lot of town fans on the day were absolutely slating Burgoyne. I'm not sure what the online reaction was like, but beat near post um, from quite close range. But I think people were expecting him to have done better with that. But you've got to give Stratford a bit of credit there. They they took a really nice free kick, didn't they? They they did well, but I don't know. We were slow out to the taker and Burgoyne could have done better. It was all round as a bit of a disastrous start in terms of conceding a goal of that nature, I think. Yeah, it was clear. It was near post. It was poor from Harry Burgoyne. But give him the benefit of the doubt that he hasn't played a lot. Yeah. He lost a few people defending him online, um, but on the same day, he's also a professional goalkeeper who practices mm. every day um, in training. So there's no real excuse, really. You know, the manager was kind to him as well. Yeah, Abeta got um, caught out as well and ran towards um, the, the player who received the ball, leaving the guy who took the free kick spare. So it was a good a good set piece from them. Um, they must have been yeah. really chuffed with that. It was a great start to the game today. and It's funny, actually, Green. Um, the game kicked off a turn to Bex and said... They're going to score. 
<laughs> and they did. It was, um, it was, um, yeah, pretty sickening. Um, and it was, I don't know, what was your, um, at the time when I wasn't like petrified or anything, wasn't completely worried, but it did make me feel a little bit, a little bit nervous. Yeah, going one nil down, uh, having seen the way we've struggled to get back into games this season, you did worry. But let's be frank about it. We were playing a seventh tier team. There was plenty of time to get back into it and we still had the quality on the pitch. So I don't think anyone was initially too worried, but it was almost a bit of a uh-oh. In fact, I might as well play in the audio now, Ollie, from, from my seven, 17 seconds of reaction. I recorded the actual goal from the free kick through to the sort of reaction of the, the guy that scored. And uh, I think you can hear me say at the end, uh-oh. And that's kind of what it felt like. It felt a little bit like this could go bad, but I'm still confident in the back of my mind that we'd probably be all right. So I'll play that in. So there you go, you can hear my my on-the-day reaction, uh, which was probably quite similar to a lot of fans around me. But it was interesting because when they scored, he, he, the guy ran right over. I think maybe he just got confused as to where their fans were and that sort of thing. Because normally, if you scored for Stratford, you could run to anywhere and you're not going to get too much grief. But he, he did run right into the corner of Shrewsbury Town fans and one Town fan flew a flare right on the pitch, which almost hit the guy, to be honest with you, and um, caused a bit of an angry reaction, as you can hear on that commentary from it. And it don't know, I, I, it's a bit hard. It, am I being too hard to say it was a bit stupid for him to run over there and potentially cause an incident, or is it just one of those FA Cup kind of moments where you've got to kind of let it go, I think? Probably the fact that they don't really have opposition crowds. Probably got no. the best of them. Uh, got a little bit too tight. But yeah, running opposition crowds is not the sensible. doesn't mean you can flow a, a flare at the, at no. the players. Um no. But talking of having, you know, not making the great decisions, Pierre really struggled, didn't he, Glenn, in the first 10, 15 minutes of the game? Yeah. I a lot. There's a guy behind me who's, um, I forget his name, and I've talked to him the whole game, and I, I'll apologise now. He does this to the podcast. We did talk about it, but he's Martin Berry's mate. <laughs> there we go. You'll know who I mean now. Um, and, and uh, yeah, Martin Berry, who's another one of the town fans that I know. He was one of the guys that organised the, the stuff for... Um, uh, uh, Kenneth Longvren, the, the Sweden true fan, he knew yeah. him over the years um, when we were away at Liverpool. So, um, yeah, Martin was actually in the home end. He'd got some tickets down there. So, um, him and his mate were split up. But I was, was talking to about talking to him about um, uh, Pierre, and he was of the view that Pierre shouldn't have been playing on on the right of the three. Pierre, sorry, shouldn't have been Pierre's playing, playing in the middle centre, of the three. Yeah. yeah, he should have been playing on the right or the left and move it around. And I think eventually they did swap Ebanks and Pierre, and that did help a little bit. Um, but as the game went on and they got tired, it was less and less of an issue. But he particularly looked uncomfortable in that central role, Ollie. Um, particularly with the ball over the top, and maybe that's because we were relying on him to kind of be the one to, to get back. Or, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's about yeah, position. Yeah. I'm just not sure whether he's fully fit, maybe. You know, he's been struggling a lot all season. Um, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say maybe he just isn't fully fit or, um, he, you know, he's struggling a little bit. Maybe it takes him a little bit um, to get warmed up because, you know, we've seen him a few times this season. He hasn't been fully fit. And maybe with Pennington being out, there was no choice but to play him. Yeah, I guess so. But it was only that opening spell where it was a problem. Once we yeah. got complete control of the game, maybe it, it hid some of the ills that he was covering and carrying in that game. You're right, maybe if Pennington was fit, maybe there was some little niggle or some little bit of fitness issue that we're not aware of, um, which he maybe has been carrying all season. So um, that wasn't the best. Um, but at least he picked his game up, unlike some, <laughs> which we'll come to in a minute. But yeah, what wasn't the best, was it? And um, No. Yeah. I have no fear, Glenn. We have Pike inside. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot to talk about about Pike and um, to say someone found their level might be a bit unfair because I don't really think he looked like he'd found his level yet he was that poor in the game wasn't he and I was sort of saying to um, some of the fans I was talking to on the way out we were kind of talking about performance and a few fans were talking about Pike because the general vibe on the terrace was he was abjectly bad and 
talked about it being one of the worst shooting time performances anyone's ever seen from a player. Um, and to do that against a seventh tier team in an FA Cup game, when you were actually given the whole game to try and impress, didn't get subbed off, he was anonymous for most of it. And when he got the ball, he was offside, what, six times in the game? At least four or five in the first sort of half an hour. He hadn't got any kind of touch. He didn't really threaten. For the first goal, he missed his chance. He should have really scored from that. Um, I thought he was absolutely abject. And it's not not unfair, I don't think. I've been pretty hard on Pike the most of the entire time he's here. I've always said I don't think he's a, he's a player that would ever make it in League One. Nothing about Saturdays made me change that at all, Ollie. I thought he was absolutely awful. He was poor, Glenn. In the first half, his passing <laughs> percentages was like 40. You know oh, me. I always like to have a look at data, don't I, to kind of back up my point. Um, yeah. yeah, he gave the ball away. Yeah, the second half, to be fair to him, was a lot better. I remember looking at the number. I, I even sent the screen print to someone. Um, and he was, yeah, he gave away the ball nine times in the first half. He only gave away yeah. the ball two times in the second half. Um, yeah, he didn't win any of his. He won two of his six duels. He did win a few in the air. But he, he, there was a time in the second half he did this amazing pass into the feet of, I can't remember if it was a Doe or, or Bowman. And he also went on a really good run. But yeah, so many times he. He just looks, well, I said online, and this is a bit mean, uh, but he looked like someone who's won a competition. <laughs> I don't know what kind of competition and I just, it is. And I, I know it's really harsh. You know, me and you, you know, we will say things and we will potentially, you know, we'll be quite critical of managers and we'll be quite cool. But we never do it because we want to be mean to anyone. We might no. joke and play and be a bit cheeky and stuff and, you know, make up terms like Ricketts Ball and all that kind of stuff. But we're not doing it because we're trying to be nasty. We're just doing it because we're doing a podcast and trying to talk about the football. And we never, we don't want to be mean. We don't want to upset anyone. But he's not very good, is he? He's just, I feel sorry for him. Like, his agent played an absolute blinder getting him a three-year deal. Um, and, yeah, for me, he just... He just he just isn't really league one level, is he? And he we don't no. see enough of him. And when we do see him, he doesn't really perform. Well, you know, he played the whole game, didn't he? And he didn't set a goal up, and he didn't score a goal. And in the short period, Bloxham came on, he bagged. In the short period, Cosgrove came on, he set a goal up. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's it's actually having an influence on games. It's just as important as um as as kind of running around a bit hard. And you know, you're completely right. What you just said about there. You know, we're not harsh for, for no reason. We're allowed to have our fans' views. It's not you know this is not the prevailing view of all fans. I'm sure there are fans out there that think Pike's still worth a chance or want to see him come good. But at the end of the day, I, people can. Turn me around, you know. I would suggest in the last six to eight weeks, Dan Ado has turned me around a little bit. Different role, um, offering a, a different thing as as a player, and actually performing week in week out at a much higher level than he was last season. When I was probably equally harsh about Dan Ado as I have been about Pike this season, and so you know there are chances to turn it around. But this was a massive chance for Pike, as far as I was concerned. You know, against a non-league opposition, bag a couple of goals, show you've got a bit of something about your finishing, contribute something to the game. To spend 90 minutes playing against a 7th tier team and contribute or next to nothing in a game is probably the most damning thing that has happened in his time at the club, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, yeah, never never write someone off. They've maybe got a chance of making it. And, you know, Dan Adeau is, is living proof of that. I remember Terry Dunfield was another one during the fanzine days that, you know, I used to be really harsh on and, and he turned me around in the end. But um, I, the chances of Pike doing it seem very remote at this point in time, Ollie. When you're playing against a 7th tier side, being a, long, a League One side... There's a, two things that, well, obviously, clearly you're going to be better footballers. Uh, well, you'd assume so anyway. Um, and you're going to be fitter. That's a given. It's just an absolute given unless they've got... And then you know, across the 11 side, they might have a few, you know, really good lads or, you know, lads that maybe will make it back to the high level again. But across, you know, the whole side, you know, you're going to win personal battles. And Ado did that, didn't he? Ado used his physicality, his kind of his experience from playing for Telford 
and he really dominated the game through pace yeah. and through and through his physicality. There's Power. absolutely yeah. no reason why Pike shouldn't have stood out. We saw it with Abeta, we saw it with Pierre at times, we saw it with Ebanks. For me, the thing um, that I always find so fascinating playing against non-league sides is how quickly we tackle them. Remember when we played Salford, and it was something I really pointed out in that game, and they thought that they were going to cruise because they you know we're Salford, we're doing really well in the league. Was it in the comm even though we're non-league that year? There was either come up, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. and we just and we just seem to get those one or two yards. It's like so much faster. Bang, tackle, win the ball. And it happened a lot in the second half, second half of the first half and beyond. And yeah, Pike didn't do it. And I was, was an interesting tweet from Andy Davis, and he said, "Yeah, Pike's falling over. Pierre sloppy as hell." Um, and yeah, I'd, yeah, we we're, we're, let's not go on about Pike too much more, but he was poor, and um, for me, he needs to move on to a, another club, probably maybe League Two, and see if he can build a career for himself. I think it's fair to have mentioned it right up front because it was a narrative of the game, one of the things that stood out more than anything. Um, you you can we, we will go on to Ogbetters and the and the uh, Odo performances as we go through this, but um, you got you got to notice how poor Pike was really. So I think it's worth mentioning up front. But I think you know once we got through that, what's the word? Sort of seventeen minutes, Bell Ali maybe open in 15 minutes we'd completely control the game from that point onwards didn't we we, we, we were just looking to score that goal and get back in it really because the longer it went on that would have been what you'd have worried about if we couldn't have gone back in it a bit quicker um, but yeah I think we were really good in terms of controlling the ball a bit more as that game went on Ogbetter started to get better position for crosses there was crosses from both sides didn't kind of convert too many chances but um, it did start to feel like a goal was coming and obviously it only took until 25 minutes until yeah that's, that's the way it came isn't it yeah we were playing on the left a lot a lot yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a, a team focus so much on the left and it kind of happens a little bit naturally doesn't it because you've got Nurse who's obviously really fast and good technical player Lee who's Lee's been absolutely fantastic like it's almost embarrassing isn't it for, for us to say that he's not a central fielder he, he wasn't he yeah. came in as a left wing back but you know we've got a, we, I would say we always try to be honest whether it's we'll say whether we're poor, whether we'll be given credit to the manager in recent weeks, and fair play to Lee, he has been he's really done a great job and he's really improved in recent weeks in the last month or so. Really, he's been really good, and it's not a surprise. But for me, everything went down the left naturally. I think because of the team, the style, and how we play, and the, having so many left footers in the side, which is which is quite unique, really. But also for me, the tactic that the manager talked about was getting in behind them. Now, the interesting, he didn't want us to play through the centre, and he said that's one of the reasons why he played a doe there, because he thought you know, he'd just get into the box and try and just fill that space. For me, there's a huge vacuum of space in front of their back four, in between them yeah. and the field. A huge, huge space. We were clearly not even going to try and use it. And without having Wally making those runs into that space, there was no one there. And the tactic was literally get it to a better and get the ball in the box. And, and to be honest, it seemed a bit frustrating at, at, at points, because we just kept repeating and repeating and repeating it. But yep. to be fair play to the manager um, and the team, you know, we kept doing it. And then after how long was it? 25 minutes? Yeah. Um, Ogbetta puts a ball into the box. Pike can't get on to the end of it. It bounced across the, the box and Bowman headers into the back of the net. Um, I bet you had no idea who scored. Yeah, I thought Pike had scored because <laughs> it was a close range header from closing. I couldn't even tell it was a header, Ollie. Like the sun was literally just dipping down to sort of just above the this kind of small stand they had there. So completely down the other end, and I was behind the goal as I said. So couldn't couldn't see how we'd scored. Could tell it was Bowman as he ran away. Um, and uh, I think the PA man did say Pike, which is probably one of the reasons I think um I think that uh, we thought he'd scored. But no, good good header. I've watched it back today. You know, nice little close range finish. It's the James Collin type finish we've been saying that Bowman gives us. He doesn't miss from close range. He doesn't miss those easier chances. 
chances that unfortunately Ado was kind of messing up last season really um, it's not one of those ones I don't think you could miss to be honest with you even I don't think anyone could miss that chance <laughs> as long as you get, got something on it um, but the, the quality of the goal personally came from the Ogbetter cross um, and yeah let's just talk about Ogbetter Ollie because we've been mentioning it now over the last few weeks how I've been saying consistently he has to play every week he has to play every week I know we're playing a seventh tier team but he was amazing on Saturday absolutely amazing energy work rate skill passion and pure quality in terms of his delivery into the box. He's definitely got to keep playing left wing back for me, um, regardless of what happens when new midfielders coming in in January. And I know we're going to lose him in the summer for nothing. We're going to, well, nothing. We'll get a tribunal for him. But to me, he's been one of the reasons why our form's picked up a little bit over the last few weeks. He's been really good and he was good on Saturday. He, he delivers quality. And yeah, in, in a team devoid of quality in the final third, he's our best player. Kind um, of putting the ball into the box, isn't he? I would say he's yeah. better crosser than Worley. He's a better crosser than. Then Leahy's better crosser than maybe Bennett. Bennett. Bennett's yeah. up there, I think. Um, Bennett doesn't put enough crosses in. We don't see enough no. because, to bless him, unfortunately for him, we are really left-centric in our attacking play. <laughs> um, when we do get down the right, and something we'll come on to, we, were, we did look good. I would like to see a bit more from Bennett. Um, but we don't... Because of our style of play is so direct, we kind of like go, right, we're attacking down the left. And then we just attack down the left and something happens. Or we tap down the right and something happens. And because we want to use our better so much, or just, I don't know whether it's Leahy just turns and uses his left foot, we attack so much on the left. Yeah. And I think this is one of the, for me, this was another game where I have not having that number 10. Imagine having Chapman in that side to go right. But, but give the ball to feet. Let him run at them. Let him run into space. If it doesn't work, recycle it over. Give someone in the in the block, in the middle that can mm. do something. Now, the manager said we the plan was to go on the outside. And because they were going to sit deep, weren't they? They were going to sit deep and be a really defensive block. But for me, also, we because we were going down the left all the time, they knew what we were doing, and we, they defended really well. Their right back, their right winger was quite pacey and did a good job covering back as well. But it was only going to be a matter of time, I thought, until we got one. And yeah, twenty five minutes we did um, a good good chance, well taken. I agree with you. Yeah, number ten would have would have had a field day in this game, but you know it, it is where we're at, and we've been saying that for most of the games this season, Ollie. So um, um, there we are. But I think the rest of the half went went on. It was characterised by us kind of trying to break them down a little bit with the same kind of tactics down the left, as you say. Um, Stratford worked really, really hard. I thought in that end end of the end of the half spell to keep it one one at half time. So really um, well organised for seventh yeah. tier side. You've got to give Very them true. credit for that, and it's not so to be sound. Um, you know, yeah, it's not. Yeah, you know, it's given due credit where it's deserved. They worked yep. really hard. They came with a clear game plan. Obviously, they won that. They score a goal through a well-worked set piece. Um, they worked really hard and well-organised. You, you know, you, you commented about the goalkeeper. Um, he didn't look the thinnest. <laughs> um, but the rest, fair though. The rest of their players were pretty, yeah. pretty trim. And and there was a, a player playing for Sudbury. All right. Um, who, um, yeah, didn't look like he was a footballer. Let's put it that way. So yeah, they were quite <laughs> athletic. So fair play to them for that. But then after that, Glenn, the the game, the rest of the half. Choosy Town kind of knocking on the door didn't yeah. really create too much, I don't think. Um, after that, um, we kind of kept knocking on the door. They were they were burning a lot of energy to keep up with us. Um, I thought it's worth coming also about the referee. Pierre won quite a lot of free kicks where he was running back. A few where I thought he was quite lucky, but I thought mm. the referee. It's one of those games where I thought the referee made some odd decisions. Yeah, that's but at the same time, I think also we got the benefit of the doubt. I think he gave us the benefit of the doubt being the pro team. Now, that's what I thought on TV. It might have been just a few times with just that little bit of extra pace, that little bit of extra strength. Um, we we were winning free kicks. I don't know what your thought was on that on the on the day. 
Yeah, I don't remember getting really angry about any decisions he made, but you know, a couple went one way when he thought they'd go the other, and that was that was the nature of it. I'm not sure what level the guy referees at normally. Maybe he isn't an overly experienced referee, but I just I don't know to be honest with you. But yeah, didn't didn't stand out as a terrible referee. But you did have at the back of your mind that he might have a, a crazy decision in him. You, you always get it in these FA Cup games where you know if we'd have gone three one up, you might have found if they'd have gone down in the box, they'd have got a really cheap penalty. But um, you'd have probably taken that at three one. But um, yeah, it didn't really stand out too more much more for me. And then the, the main thing really as the as the half went on which was a bit unfair is obviously we had absolutely tons of injury time I think there was five or six minutes of injury time in the first half and um, quite a lot in the second half as well to be honest with you um, but there was a through ball from Ebanks wasn't there which was a really nice cut back from Bennett to Ado and his shot was blocked um, which did come from the right hand side which is a bit unusual in the game but yeah really good attack and that's for me it's frustrating that why we didn't do use it more often it was an mm-hmm. amazing through ball from um, Ebanks <laughs> it was yeah. really really good and then yeah it's a shame we didn't score it would be nice for Ado and to got a goal, but yeah, it's really well blocked from by Stratford. Well, I'm going to keep saying this about Doe because the man deserved a goal in this game. Jesus Christ! Um, and that was it. Half time, really. Um, you know, it'd been a been a one one. I think the the vibe on the terrace, Ollie, was was okay. We were back in it, and and that was fine. And we we probably would have chance to to go on, really. But um, yeah, we certainly had more of the ball, and we more shots. And yeah, we had sixty percent possession, eight shots versus their two. Um, it was really important that we got that goal when we did. I think even 35 minutes, 40 minutes, if we'd scored or not scored at all in the first half, that would have changed the atmosphere in the dressing room at half-time. I think getting that goal, yeah, kind of took away my nerves, to be honest. Yep, um, I think so Didn't too. really see them threatening anything after that. And yeah, a little bit frustrated retiring. We're offside a few times, weren't we? We were offside a few times, but that was mostly Pike's fault, and we've we've savaged him already, Ollie. So <laughs> we'll move on. But yeah, I, yeah, I say I wasn't leaving my spot at half time because if you if you left your spot, you ain't you ain't watching any of the rest of the game. So it was one of those ones of standing firm. Uh, no trip to the burger van, unfortunately. So um, yeah, half time kind of kind of whiz past really chatting to the guys around us, including a man who stood behind me, about two two people behind me, wearing a massive top hat. I'm still to this day wondering how that happened. Did he just get his top hat out of his cupboard that morning and think? Yeah, but great, that's fine, I'm wearing that to the football. Or did he wear a top hat because he thought, you know, Shakespeare, Stratford, maybe you'll fit in better if he's wearing a top hat? I don't know, but certainly one of the more bold choices for uh, headwear I've ever seen at the football, Ollie. I've never seen a top hat at a football game before, <laughs> I have to say. Apart from the Bradford, is it the Bradford um, Bra- City mascot? Gents, Bradford City yeah, Gents, isn't it? Bradford, yeah. um, but there yeah, um, so yeah. So yeah, what, so what was the vibe on half-time on Terrace? Everyone was kind of, yeah, kind of happy then, I guess. Not happy, but weren't too worried. Yeah, glad to be back 1-1 and just uh, looking forward to maybe going on and winning the game. Now, I think the general conversation is people were sort of talking to each other. I say I was talking to maybe 10, 15 people around us on Saturday. It was really good fun. And um, yeah, I think most people were saying, look, this lot are going to tire, aren't they? This lot are going to tire, yeah. which turned out to be the case. I think most people were pretty confident that we'd have the better of the second half. Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough. Fair enough, mate. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, second half. Um, it was all time really wasn't it second half let's be honest dominated um, yeah. yeah really good run from a doe um, and his shot flashed wide really wish he's felt so sorry for him it was so close to going in um, kissed the post if I remember rightly um, a good attack yeah, from the right um, cleared um, recycled um, onto the left uh, a good crossing from Ogbetta and then a Bowman with a calm finish and he celebrates in front of the town fans yeah so everyone who was sort of the row behind me could not see into the goal which we were like right by because obviously it's, it was on an angle it was low you couldn't really see it so I remember on this one going in I had to turn around and say 
Bowman slid it in back post and like the 10, 15 people behind were like, oh, cheers, thanks, we know what happened, that sort of thing. So um, that was kind of what the view was like because I was right at the front. But yeah, absolutely brilliant cross well better again, second assist of the game. And um, yeah, another really good finish from Bowman. Um, and yeah, that's, that's again, another sniffer's goal. It's exactly what we wanted in a striker over the last few years. We're starting to see it more consistently now. We just needed a man who was in the right place at the right time, good timing with his runs, get into that spot when he needs to be and finish. And um you know, I don't want to jinx it, but we might have found someone who's going to go on scoring maybe 20 goals this season now because he's starting to rack them up a bit quicker. 10, so, 10 would be enough crossed. in the league for me, Glenn. A striker who scored 10 in the league. Oh, well, it's been a long, be too long since we've had that. But yeah, good, good good movement. And also I think it's good that as well as that, you know, better crosses the ball and he crosses into a space where he knows someone's going to attack it. And I think mm. that can be that's so key that the team, the players start to trust each other and start to believe in each other. I think that was key as well for that goal. Yeah, and then 56 minutes, Ollie. There was a save down the other end. Again, I couldn't see any of this. It's not until I've watched the highlights back today how good of a good of a save this yeah, one was. This really, brilliant. so a really long range shot from one of the Stratford lads. And um, yeah, Bagoy makes a really good save, doesn't he, Ollie? On watching it back today, but um, yeah, it just was a big sort of looked like it flashed across the post, and he didn't touch it on the day. But definitely a good save. Yeah, really good save. It was you know, watching on TV. Obviously, we did we weren't a great huge angle either, to be honest. But yeah, it was a good save from Bagoy and fair play to him. Kind of, I think for me. Me that makes up for for the mistake. Um, I think that's that was that was going in the back of the net and it made a really good save. And then Glenn, um, an absolute amazing goal, and you must have enjoyed this. So yeah, so yeah. Ado um, wins the ball. Really, really good play from Ado. Absolutely superb. Passes to Lee who absolutely just fires it into the back of the net. It's one of those goals when you're at home and you go, well, you just kind of celebrate because you just that's your that's the natural reaction. And I'm sure yeah. you and your kids enjoyed that one. That was amazing. Really good moment. It was the clinching goal for the game as well. You knew when we went through one up, that was game over. So it was that kind of relief of like, yep, yeah, we've done this. That's that's to bed now. What are we going to go on and score? And um, I, I'm going to give a doe credit as well, as much as as Leahy. He absolutely destroyed one of the defenders for pace on it. He must have been a good six, seven yards behind the defender. Yeah, it was ridiculous. He went, he went miles past him. The defender looked like he was just jogging and he was probably trying to run as fast as possible. And it all came from his hard work. And I will keep saying this now, this new role, deeper, running on, being the man that is going to feed the scorers and, and contributing in that way. I have nothing negative to say about Dan Adobe at the moment and starting to see why all the town fans chant for him constantly because at the moment he is playing fantastically. But once he got it to Leahy, yeah, I mean... He's definitely got it in him, hasn't he? We've seen some of his finishing and his, and his good shooting, and um, this was definitely the pick of the bunch. Probably one of the better goals of the season so far. Still, probably not as good as Bloxham's overhead volley, so he probably won't win goal of the season. But the way he caught it and the way it kind of almost bent and curved over the goalkeeper um, was amazing. And, and on the day, like I'd said on the on that first goal down our end, I'd have to turn around and tell the guys behind me how he scored. Anyway, they they obviously did that. I turned around and they said we could see that one because it obviously sailed so high <laughs> and then just went into the top of the net. So um, at least everybody got a good view of that goal because it was uh, one of those ones that sailed into the top of the net so um yeah fantastic moment and uh yeah sort of really enjoyable goal to watch yeah it was a brilliant strike and as you said glenn that was it i thought after that game stratford over. gone yeah. came over um then we yeah on the right hand side near to you we win a free kick i didn't expect this direct free kick from bennett mm? who blasts it into the back of the net a really nice moment for him um obviously it's gonna be a very sad week for him um with um yeah with the death of his father so yeah, yep. with all the wishes to him and and, and his family this week, um, and yeah, he, he saluted that for his father. So that was a nice moment for him. 
fantastic and I got a really good video if anyone wants to go and watch it of, of the on the day goal and the celebrations afterwards where you can see how much it means to him is he's really you know thinking about his dad which is which is um, must be incredibly difficult so um yeah a really nice moment on a, on a good day for us but um yeah if you want to look at the blue and amber fanzine twitter account there's a there's a really good video there um of it um but yeah you meant it ollie you know i saw a few people were saying was that a cross that just went a bit wrong no way he hit that art and it curved up over the keeper and to be fair i can see why he did it the keeper would look suspect most of the game and he was not the most mobile and it did feel a little bit like if you hit a shot on target with any kind of pace there was a good chance you were going to score so I don't blame him for shooting and when you've got that kind of technique that he's had throughout his whole career um, yeah go for it and then I thought it was another fantastic goal not quite as good as Leahy's for me but another really good goal this season yeah really good finish uh, 4-1 was just enjoyable then you could properly relax and enjoy, enjoy the rest of the game so it was only yep. 60 minutes in then and we were 4-1 up um, really, and we still created chances, which was good as well. Good to see that we didn't yeah. stop. So Leahy puts a really good cross into the box, and no one can get on the end of it. And um, Bowman is in on goal, cut and fired over. He, oh, I bet he, bet he, bet he kept thinking about that one um, after the game. That, that would have been his hat trick again, and that would have been yeah. much deserved. Um, and then the left back started putting himself about a little bit. Um, in the, <laughs> he does, he did one in his own half, and then he did a tackle, which to be honest, should have been a red card. And he was really no, right. lucky not to get sent off. So that was poor. Um, it was one of those ones where Glenn, even the commentators go, oh, that wasn't a good challenge. And then they watch it again and they're like, whoa, that, that's a red card. It was that kind of reaction. He didn't realise how bad. It was on, um, I think, well, I can't if it was on Leahy. Yeah, okay. And he was down on, I can't if it was Leahy or Bennett, but one of them, they were down for quite a while um, with it. It was quite a horrible challenge. Oh, yeah, I remember now. I remember, yeah, yeah it was on the other side of the pitch. Right? Yeah. So I, couldn't, I couldn't really see how bad the challenge was. But I don't think, uh, my review is that none of the town fans were calling for a red card. I don't think no. anyone could tell quite how bad it was from where no. we were. So better, better watching that one on the telly, I think. Yeah, and then they made a few changes, didn't we? Bloxon came on for a doe. Bowman came off for Cosgrove. And then nice bit of play um, in centrally. Um, Bloxon gets the ball and I think it was almost just reaction. He he just really good control and under pressure, strides forward into the box and just smash into the back of the net. A real natural goal from a striker, yep. I thought. Play him centrally, yep. I'd say, Glenn. Play him centrally. Which he did, yeah. He was right through the middle with Cosgrove off and, and Caton on the other side, wasn't he? Which I think Well Caton came on left wing back. He did. Well, yeah, he, he did, but he was he was quite far up front. I think it's not unsurprising considering he's generally a striker. Yeah, but, um, the manager yeah, he seemed to pop that, up up front a lot. Yeah, the manager said that um, when they're doing a lot of shadow play or practicing, he plays left wing back to fill in, um, yeah, okay. to fill to fill in the opposition. So he's got used to it. And he, so he said he trusted him. He knew what it was he was going to do. So that's quite a nice compliment for a young striker that the, the manager thought you could play out position for in, in an FA Cup game. But with, with all of Proxim's goals, there seems to be something a little bit special about something within it. And for me, the special thing with this goal was the ball in from Cosgrove is not great. If you watch it back, it's kind of fizzed into him. And he, he manages to take an amazing couple of short, small touches just to get that ball yeah. ahead of him and, and stride on. And I, I have to say, I thought that was really, really good. The, goal, the finish is really good as well. But it's just that touch to get it to a position where he can finish that I thought was the magical thing about this goal. So brilliant. And he ran, you know, when he scored, he sort of ran along the side past us. I was, I was kids, get your hands out for a high five and obviously COVID protocol they're not allowed to do that anymore but he came quite close to us and uh, celebrated in front of us sort of kissing his fingers to the fans which was great so um, I, I, you know 
one of the highlights of the season so far is seeing Bloxham come come good and some of the stuff he's doing um, what had been a challenge to start to the season so glad to see him get another goal I still want to see him playing a bit more um, but I don't think that he dislodges a doe or Bowman at the moment which no. is a bit unfortunate but um, I'm sure his time definitely will come for us but we could um, easily play for me 3-4-3 three, three, and play yeah, yeah. and play and Worley or a doe or Bloxham off, oh. off him and no, okay obviously I've kind of contradicted myself there you're not playing him up front, but he's going to get in those dangerous areas. I don't like to see him play right wing in a four four two, but playing off a striker in a in a three four three, I think puts him in more dangerous area. Um, and it's good for his game, and also maybe of an outlet as well if we're playing some long balls up as well. But anyway, you have to trust the manager. I think in this situation, um, one thing he does have is experience, and he, he wants to win games. So he's there must be a reason why he isn't starting him more often. Yeah, I mean, for me, if if Bowman was to get injured again, then I want I want yeah, Boxer's under, understudy through the middle. But at the same time, at the moment, I want Bowman through the middle first, and wherever Bloxham comes on to play, as long as he's contributing and, and it's in a natural position rather than out wide, as you said, um, then get him in as well. Um, you know, a front three of Bloxham, Ado, and Bo- 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 Bowman should be pretty scary to be honest with you. So yeah. maybe that will adapt as we go on. Um, or, or the manager will go out and buy some over-the-hill journeyman 40-year-old striker in, in January. Who knows where this season's going, but I'm sure he will get more chances well, we, in his day. He's start, January start transfer goals, window, though. yeah, a lot to talk about there. Let's, let's not talk about that now. Yeah, we've got, got that time yet. Time. But yeah, I imagine there will be a few changes um, in January. Um, just, just, there was one thing I wanted to pick you up on. You said that you know we, we kind of game over and we still kept trying to score. I, I had a bit of a vibe just looking at the players and stuff on Saturday that once they got to three, knowing how bad the goal-scoring record had been this season, it was almost like... Here's a real chance to go and get some goals this season and really start opening our account and you know getting getting some serious goal numbers this season. It felt a little bit like that, which is why I think we went on to score five and we didn't we didn't switch off um, because it just felt like they wanted to exercise some demons of all the you know no goals scored or just one goal scored in a game. It felt a little bit like that to me. I think it also goes back to that point I made at the start about character of this team. Yeah, I think they're just really professional, hardworking, honest bunch, and they're just not going to stop. Um, yeah. So I think they'll just carry on as well. But yeah, I think, you know, it's often but often multiple things could be true. It could be, yeah, we wanted to score more goals and, you know, strikers and, and midfielders want to get assists and goals. But at the same time, I think as well, I think just automatic response to this this bunch of players is to is to get on playing. Yes, I, I agree, Ollie. I think just professionalism is important. Um, Before we go back on to top three, really, because I, I asked my kids during this bit of audio, I'm going to play now who their top players were as well. So we will give man of the match points for those two as well, as we always do with guests. But um, yeah, obviously, as I say, I was taking my children um, to an away game. You know, I've told them they're part of the hardcore now because they had enough loyalty points to get it in the first bracket like I did because we've been so many away games. But different experience for them. As I say, the last game they went to was Sheffield Wednesday away. So this was definitely a, a culture shock for them. So I won't say too much now. I'll play in a little four-minute interview I did with my kids last night. So here I am on Sunday night with my children, Rory and Elsa, who are coming on the podcast. Tell us about the game down at Stratford today. So uh, hello, Rory. Hello. And Elsa. Hi. Hi. Yeah, good to have you back on because it's probably been since the Paul Hurst season since I got you on the podcast, hasn't it? Which is mm-hmm. something you've been complaining about and also, uh, yeah, something uh, a few people have been asking when the kids are going to come on again. So, good chance to talk to them today because we went to a very different ground today, didn't we, Rory? Yeah. Um, for the FA Cup. What did you make of their ground? Well, it was a lot smaller than ours <laughs> and uh, they didn't affect their playing. They were still pretty good, mm-hmm. but it was um, they could have had a bit of upgrading. It's a bit different to where we went last time, which was Sheffield Wednesday, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Bit of a bit for a different comparison. And I don't know, Elsa, what did you think of, of the whole kind of getting to get into the game and the atmosphere and the, and the sort of ground? Well, I couldn't really see half the game, to be <laughs> honest, but um, 
it was it was good, but hard to watch because it, the wall was really high. And what, we got there an hour and a half before, didn't we? And what what happened when we got in? What, uh, how many people were there? There was like more than the people that were. Like, there was loads of people at the front, and we couldn't see the pitch by then, so we had to move around into the other space. Yeah, everybody moaned, and they got the extra space open, didn't they? So we got <laughs> you a, a bit of a view at the front, um, and we st- stood there. I think you were fascinated by two things before the game started. Number one was the drone, Rory. Yeah. What do you think of that? He's flying around, and it was very noisy and. I was um, trying to figure out how the players were concentrating with it. <laughs> and Elsa, you were more interested in seeing what the boys at the back were doing on the wall. You think yeah. they were going to fall off? Yeah, I think all the tree branches were falling on their heads. <laughs> what, yes. what happened to one of the lads? What did he drop? Fell down the oh, his wallet fell down the back of the wall. <laughs> <laughs> he had to climb out the stadium and get it back, didn't he? So there was plenty going on. We were there an hour and a half before kickoff, weren't we? Or and um, oh, yeah, waiting, yeah, waiting for it to get going, and it was getting slightly colder. But it was a bit long. It was a bit long, wasn't it? But the game got going eventually, and um, yeah, I'd been telling you on the way down, hadn't I, that we weren't playing other professional footballers, and you were kind of laughing, saying, <laughs> "What do you think the score was going to be?" Uh, like uh, five nil to okay, us. Okay, well, we'll get to that, and then obviously, I... what... go on, else. I didn't really know what to think, to be honest. <laughs> and anyway, we were, we were confident on the way down we were going to score loads of goals. And um, yeah, when they scored first, Elsa, what did you think? I was like, oh no, we're going to lose. <laughs> you were pretty pretty worried like the rest of us. And wasn't the best start, was it, No. Rory? But a good, good free kick from them, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was. There we go. But in the end, Shrewsbury started playing a bit better, didn't they, second yeah. half? And what, what did you make of the goals in the second half? Well, Ryan Bowman's goal was pretty good. I thought his attacking down was really good, and yep. then his slide one into the goal was really good. And that was good as well, wasn't yeah. it? And what, what about the free kick out so that Bennett scored? It was class, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but their goalie wasn't that good. <laughs> he, lo- he looked like a rugby player. <laughs> he did, didn't he? He looked like he'd had his Sunday lunch, to be fair to him. But yes. um, yeah, we just wanted shots on target. And then, obviously, towards the end, old Tommy Bloxham came on and got a yep. goal, didn't it? Yeah. He, he's one of your favourites, isn't he? Because he's one of the young players. Mm, yeah, yeah, there we go. So it was all, all good. Any other observations? Food? Oh, it smelled, it smelled like it smelled burgers good. a lot of the time, and we were waiting to get a uh, like a KFC or Burger King afterwards. Yes, we did. We got some food on the way, and we couldn't leave our spot, could we? So I think we mm, don't. We would lose a, a space, hungry. a space at the front. But a good day out, wasn't it, kids? Yeah. Um, and and a nice thing to kind of experience for you guys as a first time, one of those like non-league teams in the FA Cup, mm. and we got a win. It wasn't another Histon or a Blythe. Like <laughs> but, but my knees do hurt now. Oh, yeah. Standing up too long. Oh well, we'll get you to bed soon. So it's okay. And. Um, Let's finish off with you, as we've got you on guests, we'll let you pick a man of the match each. So, Rory, who was your man of the match? Uh, Ryan Bowman. Why? Because, as I said before, his attacking was very good, and yep. I really like his slide goal. You do, and I think you quite like his hair, Rory. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. And Elsa, who was your man of the match? Um, Udo, he did deserve a goal. He did. To be honest. He did. He was my man of the match as well. And he worked really, really hard, didn't he? He yeah. didn't start running, to be fair. So, real shame. So, there we go. There's your man of the matches. Ollie, I thought it was just worth, worth having a catch up with these two. As I say, they were much smaller when we had them on last time, but they're starting to learn now. And <laughs> they've seen a good victory today, like everybody else. So, um, yeah, we'll come back to us and, and keep cracking on about the game. So, I think, Ollie, you can tell from their voices they had a. A thoroughly good day out, um, as they said, topped off with a KFC on the way home, which is nothing to complain about, is it? And, um, you know, whether it's my kids or any of the other kids that were there on Saturday, it's always brilliant to see a kind of next generation of fans coming through and enjoying these kind of special, you know, one one more unique moments away at a non-league team, which we might only get every five, ten years or something like that. So, yeah, good good to hear they sounded so happy and, and all the other kids, I imagine. Yeah, it's one of those games that I'm sure they'll remember very fondly, especially if Bloxham goes on to do something in his career but maybe how like Dave Edwards yeah, has, yeah. you know, they'll remember him scoring in the FA Cup um, away at Stratford. So yeah, yeah no, def- totally definitely a favourite, yeah. definitely a favourite of theirs. Um, but yes, as they said, I think just thinking back because we're recording this the next day now. I think they picked Bowman and Odo as their man of the matches from that audio, which is fair enough for me, Ollie. I went for a Doe man of the match, and um, yeah, it's not been often I've picked him because of what I used to think last season, but. 
even though he didn't score, and you know another striker scored two, for me he was clear, my clear man of the match. I thought his overall contribution to the game was absolutely fantastic in terms of his work rate, um, pace, hard working, working for the team in a situation like that, especially when one nil down. You know you want that hard work. So for me, I gave it to Odo. I gave Bowman second for the finishing, but again similar to Odo, his work rate was absolutely fantastic, and I went Frog better third who. Maybe you could have switched these three around because they were all really good, but I just thought our better was class, it's crossing and stuff we've mentioned. So, um, yeah, that was my top three from being there on the day, Ollie. I've changed my top three about a million times. <laughs> um, I'm going for a better first because I thought he's just, yeah, performance was fantastic. He provided the assists. I think he just, I think the, the data man in me <laughs> just makes him nip it against the dough. Because Ado, yeah, Ado did have one assist, at least one assist from Leahy, but I thought Ogbetta was the magic major in terms of making the game a bit different. Yep. And then I went yep. for Ado second, a brilliant performance. Um, just a real so feel so sorry for him. I'd love him to get a hat trick one day and just walk off with a ball <laughs> under his arm. I'd just yeah. love to see that photo. That would be a great photo. Um, and then Bowman third for me, because yeah, putting the ball in the back of the net is is what was required. But I think special mentioned for Leahy, special mentioned for. Um, I thought Nurse had a good game again. Um, I thought Bennett put in a good shift as well. Um, Ebanks at times um, was really assured on the ball, which is something you wouldn't necessarily expect from him. Um, but yeah, good all-round performance. And, and also a special mention, I think, for Steve Cotter as well. Um, I thought he the way he conducted himself in the media before the game and after the game was really good. And it's clear he, he, he set the tone for this weekend um, with the players. Um, and we got the result that we needed, and obviously we're in the draw, um, which will be should be happening quite soon. Uh, two things on that. One, one of the players people were getting a lot of praise for on the terraces was Davis, who had one of those kind of effective but more quiet games, I think, in the game. I saw a lot of people around me saying he'd had a good game as well. And on Cottrell, I had no worries about him if we were going to win the game and even pre-match. He knows what he's doing with the national press. He's a clever bloke with these interviews. I think the whole thing about how it's gone with our local press and still ongoing issues, I'm led to believe from, from talking to various people. That hasn't gone away just because we beat Stratford. But he was never gonna he was never gonna really balls it up for himself on national TV. So I'm glad he came across. I'm glad he spread the message about the vaccine and taking it because I'm fully behind that after my experiences. So um you know still still a really good message to be getting out there, particularly with Again, around Shropshire, you know, I'm starting to know people getting it more and more now. Um, again, so it still hasn't gone away. But um, yeah, I think that was fine. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he uh, re- reacts to our local press once we get back to that. But I'm sure that is another story, Ollie. Um, and in terms of the post-match interview, obviously, I was off walking down the, the back roads into the countryside where we were, um, trying to get back to the car. Um, but uh, I didn't hear the post-match interview. Was there anything interesting that came out of that? So yeah, a few three interesting comments. Um, yeah, um, when you give teams um, a lower league a leg up, it gives them a chance. Um, so that's a fair comment gave ourselves a mountain to climb but thankfully if that didn't happen we got the league guys before half time then we regrouped a little talked about what happened in the other half and then we yeah kind of when we talked about things to exploit it and we definitely saw that we scored some good goals um, yeah Tom scored a nice goal and I thought yeah good professional he said it was a good professional performance from our, from our lads and we're pleased we thought um, yeah we worked on you know we worked hard in the build up to the game uh, and the game plan worked that's me I did ad lib at the end um, but yeah, he was a good performance and I think he was pleased. And you rightly said, he, he does a good job of, um, yeah, a plan of using the media and kind of answering those questions right. Um, he's obviously very experienced in this kind of situation. So yeah, good to mm. see. Good to see. As I say, we, 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 we visit these comments down the line. Who knows what's going to happen? But um, definitely, Ollie, we're starting to be on a run, aren't we? Like we talked about last week, you know, a decent run of, of games now with some better results. Yes, yeah, three games, three games now, isn't it, with, without defeat? Um, a win, a draw, and a win. Um, does feel like yeah. a little bit of a run. 
tiny. First one of the season, I would say. So I would officially call this a run now. Um, but as, as I say, it's good timing because we head into this international break, so it should leave everyone in a bit of better mood um, and you know, a couple, couple of good results and looking forward to the next game when it comes, um, which I think is Cheltenham away, isn't it? Um, I think that's the next home game, uh, next game coming up. So obviously it's not there's technically a, there's a the next pe- game coming up. The next pizza game, trophy game. Yeah, the next game coming up is technically the pizza trophy <laughs> against Wigan. And they've lost both games. In this competition, that's the extent of our pre-analysis for this game. And then, yeah, you're right, Glenn. The net, the first game is Cheltenham away on the 20th of November in the league, and then we've got a Tuesday night game against Sunderland, and then we've got Charlton away. So three tough still. Yeah, Cheltenham. Cheltenham's yeah. a big one to try and get some points away from home, get that first win, and then yeah, yeah. two tough games against Sunderland and Charlton. Who, yeah, both teams got big resources for this level. Yeah. For sure. Well, there we go. We're going to have a break, aren't we, next week, Ollie? Um, we've been doing relentless podcasts for the last thing, 10, 8, 10, 9 weeks now, something like that, without a break. So we are officially going into the international break. And as I say, we're no town game to cover. We will uh, skip next Sunday and be back the Sunday after next. I'm going to Cheltenham, so I'll be able to do a terrorist report if you're not quite there. Um, I'm not sure if you'll have had a baby by then. I'm banned from going too far away at the moment, which is fair enough. <laughs> I say the word banned in jest. I'm not banned. It's just I'd be a bit of a dick if I went to, um, yeah, to drove, drove three hours away on the M5. I'm away from my wife who's pregnant so bit, bit quick to get back to the hospital that one yeah. isn't it to be fair so we'll, well, no, fair. I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> she had to get an Uber or something it's not really <laughs> right right it's that's a good story to tell your children when they're older anyway, Ollie. But um, no, I think you best avoid that. But um, yeah, as I say, we've talked about what we'll be doing once once baby comes along and we'll, we'll be finding ways to manage. We've got lots of podcast friends and, and family that we can get involved. And um, yeah, I'm sure you'll be chipping in every week anyway with comments and thoughts. So um, yeah, it's coming along soon. But um, anyway, good weekend, Ollie. Nice, happy day in Stratford. And uh, yeah, feels like the season's a little bit better than it was six weeks ago. So um, yeah, enjoy your week. Enjoy your two weeks. And we'll be back Sunday after next. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening.